Welcome to Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations to help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. You heard it correctly. We don't give you the one right answer. We talk about issues, sometimes we disagree on solutions, and then you decide on your own approach. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Good morning, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, everybody. We make our own little rules here, and we break our own little rules. When Mike and I first began talking about this podcast, we both agreed we didn't want it to be about which fork to use. Relevant, substantive tangles of contemporary life was and is our focus. But from time to time, we're going to dedicate a show to etiquette in the form of what we call etiquette quick hits. Quick hits are clarifications and reminders of basic courtesies that never go out of style, though they might refine through the years. So first of all, let's talk about the word etiquette. I bought a box of laser CD labels not too long ago, and I noticed on the front, laser inkjet labels is written in English, French, and Spanish. And the French word for label is etiquette. And of course, being the language lover that I am, I immediately went and looked up the derivation. And it's pretty interesting. So Mike, I know you spent a year in France right after high school. Can you tell me why the French word for label is etiquette? Yes, Marna. Wow. What a place to start on this wonderful early morning. Yeah, it's a French word. It still is used as a label. The the term means label, etiquette. However, the way we use it in our country comes from the mid-17th century. So I'm sure folks will recognize Louis XIV, the Sun King, who was at Versailles. You know, he had such a rigorous set of rules at his court. Most of those rules were meant to occupy and uh, sometimes entertain, but mostly just occupy the many nobles that he required to be in his court. And so there were all these little court rules. And there were so many, and they were so complicated, that they made little checklists or little cheat sheets, if you will. So little pieces of paper. That's the etiquette, and um, that has, you know, survived to be the French word for label. And then we use it to describe a set of accepted behaviors. Because if you were a noble at the court of Louis XIV and you stepped on the wrong piece of grass or you showed up in the wrong outfit at the wrong time of day, you would suffer accordingly. So that's where it comes from. Well, those are big transgressions. I can certainly understand. <laughs> That's right. That's interesting. Tick right. tickets. It's kind of like, like my house, you know. If I step <laughs> on the wrong piece of grass or I show up the wrong outfit, boy, oh boy. Yeah. Or you cut so. the wood wrong. All right, that was very interesting. Ticket. That's where we <laughs> yeah. get our word ticket from, too, isn't it? Ticket or label? So, again, ticket is, is, is also derived from that, just little piece of paper. This is from a listener email. If you bring a hostess gift to someone's home when you come for a meal or to stay overnight... Do you still have to send a thank you note afterwards? I actually asked this exact question years ago. Kelly, knowing your love of thank you notes, I'm going to throw it to you first. Yes. Oh, my goodness. The bane of my existence. Thank you notes. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, you can never go wrong writing a thank you note. 
as difficult as it is to do so. But it's kind of two different scenarios you describe. One is dinner and bringing a hostess gift, and the other is staying overnight and maybe bringing a gift. I don't think for dinner you need to write a thank you note. I mean, if somebody has you over for dinner, you can thank them, you can bring a bottle of wine, and you certainly can reciprocate. But I don't think you need to, you know, head home and write a thank you note. I don't think that's necessary. Now, if, you know, according to, you know, the rules of etiquette, uh, if you attend a party or a big dinner party where, you know, the guest has spent a great deal of time and effort putting it together, under those circumstances, you're supposed to write a thank you note. Uh, But I think just for a regular dinner, it's really not necessary. So... That would be my take on that. And, of course, a written thank you note is far preferable to a text or a, uh, you know, an email. Um, But, again, if it's just dinner and you're bringing a bottle of wine or something, you know, maybe you could. I think just saying thank you is enough and complimenting the meal. Uh, But you could send a quick text. But I don't think it's necessary. Okay. Mike, do you agree? Yeah, I'm with Kelly. I think it all depends on the situation. It depends on how well you know the people and have you reciprocated with them? I mean, are you going to their house after they came to yours just recently? That factors in. You know, up where we live, I I can't think of a meal lately when we didn't bring something to share. You know, that's kind of the way we do things up here. Call it a potluck or what. You know, we're always going to dinner and bringing like a salad, a dessert, a loaf of bread. And then like Kelly said, you know, a bottle of wine is a, is a nice touch. And that just kind of shows appreciation on the part of the, the invitee. It kind of depends. Um, if you've never been there before and it's someone you don't know that well, then you might be a little more formal. Uh, you, could send a, you could send a thank you note or, you know, if it's someone you see all the time, maybe just a quick text and say, hey, that was a great dinner. Thanks so much. Let's do it again sometime. It's, uh, it has to do with intent, like so many things we talk about, you know, it's, as long as you express that you are thankful for having shared food and, and broken bread with those people, then, you know, that, that works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I actually wrote in my notes here, going back to one of Mike's favorite concepts, context. Me, 50-something, I usually will write a thank you note. But I know my, in my children's circles, they're in their 20s, mid to late 20s. And in their friend circles, a note probably would be too formal. It wouldn't be expected. But it's always nice to circle back a day or two later with a thank you text or email. Yeah. Acknowledging how much fun you had and, you know, express the desire to reciprocate somehow. Now, having said that, my daughter, who is 31, Elena, uh, she knows that I'm a writer and I often use her in my writing, so I'm just going to go ahead and use her here. She said, oh, <laughs> Have you told her this, Marna? <laughs> She's used wait, to it wait, by wait. now. <laughs> I was talking to her last night and she said, You know, people are weirdly appreciative of a written note. She says, When I've written notes, her friends will call her or write her back and say, Oh, thank you so much for the note. It's, it's the only mail I got all week. Elena said she actually keeps the thank you notes that she gets on a bulletin board for a couple of weeks, and then, and then she stores them in a box of mementos, which wow. I have to say I have a box of thank you notes that I've kept through the years too. Mm-hmm. So appreciation truly is an underrated emotion, I think. 
Yeah, I think that's a boomerang here in our increasingly digital world that when you can find the opportunity to send a a well, you know, a well-written and thoughtful little note, doesn't have to be much, but just, you know, show you appreciate something. I agree. uh, It's really cool. It's a nice gesture. Yeah. I mean, gratitude goes a long way and and it actually makes you happy, you know, Mm -hmm. to be gracious and Mm -hmm. thankful for whatever it is that you have. But I do think, I mean, for dinner, again, I, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a nice touch. I didn't touch upon the other part of your question, Marna, which is if you stay overnight, not that I do this because I am horrible when it comes to thank you notes, but I do think that a written thank you note under those circumstances is in order. Not that I do it, so I'm sort of being hypocritical here. But I think that that you should send a nice note. Um, And I also Mm -hmm. think, although I I don't think the etiquette folks would agree with me, that a text or an email would be fine too, better than nothing. I think more and more that's becoming acceptable. But you can't go wrong with a written thank you note, really. And and you know, Kelly, awareness of your own shortcomings, that's the first step. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but you got to want to fix it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, but I just uh, want to fix it. Situational awareness. You know, we can talk about this on another episode, perhaps. Okay. But Kelly has so many lovely qualities. (laughs) But thank you notes is not one of them. So I... um to my friends out there, I'm fine if you don't send a thank you note because I'm not going to. Oh wow, wow! We have a we have a blanket proclamation. <laughs> Somebody note the date and time. All right, let's move on to the next one. When dining with others, family dinners, or with friends, family at a restaurant, do you wait until everyone is served before you begin eating? Now. I was always taught growing up that you wait until everybody's served before you begin eating. Then one day I was at a a lunch at a restaurant. It was actually a a baby shower, I think. And we all ordered and the food started coming out. And a couple of the women at the table said, this this is German rules. You start eating when you get your food. And I'd never heard that before. But apparently there is a school of thought that you, when you get your food, you start eating if it's hot. So Mike, you're very cosmopolitan. And I wonder if you could enlighten us on this. Here we go again. Context. You guys knew that was coming, right? At least once during the show. Yeah, this is twice now. Okay, Marna. So, you know, this is very, very complicated because it depends on where you are and how many people and um, and then sort of the, the customs of that family or that group or whatever. So I would say you cannot go wrong by waiting for others to get their food, especially if you're the number people use is six or fewer people at the table. If it's a small group and somehow your food arrives first and you dive in and the other five are not served, that's, that's a faux pas. But, for example, if you're in a restaurant or you're at a big banquet, for example, you would go ahead and eat before others are served. And the other thing that I have, I guess I taught my kids this, we taught our children this, is um, always watch your host. And you cannot go wrong by watching the host and when the host sits down and you know usually there's a greeting before a meal you know uh, to your health bon appetit uh, guten appetit and then host begins eating you begin eating that is a fabulous so, rule i just want to yeah highlight that especially if it's a formal dinner and you're not schooled in formal eating and you don't know which fork to use just watch your host or hostess and see what fork they pick up. That's right. Unless it's me, then don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I saw a funny anecdote when I was doing research for this, and this woman said that her grandmother used to say, 
I've picked up my fork. Even if she were still, you know, running to and fro from the kitchen, she would tell the folks at the dinner table, I've picked up my fork, meaning they could go ahead and start eating. <laughs> I thought that's a good yeah, way to handle that's it. That's good. That's good, right. That's or, cute. you know, or a host or hostess insists that, oh, please begin. I have to go take care of right. this. You know, do not yeah. wait on me. You know, the other thing which is interesting, and this is sort of a whole, this is in the restaurant domain, is here in the United States, uh, restaurants make an effort to bring all of the food to the table at the same time. And they'll often have several servers or runners who do that, um, which means that the last meal finished is nice and hot, and all the others have sat under the heating lamp while the last one was prepared. And that's very different in, at least my experience, in European restaurants, where as food is finished, the plate is finished, it is brought out. And that's where you can ask, you know, you politely ask the people you're eating with, would you mind if I begin? Because there's such respect for the meal and res such respect for the food. You know, they wouldn't keep that perfectly cooked piece of meat sitting under a heating lamp for five minutes while the, the other meal is prepared. And also, if you're yeah. the one at the table who has not been served his or her dinner, this has happened to That's me before, right. you, you can say, yeah. please start, to the other people. Yeah. That really helps because I know last week I was at a business dinner and there were like 10 of us and they came out and I thought we had all been served. I mean, I always just sit and wait until everybody's served mm -hmm. unless the person or unless somebody specifically says, no, please go ahead. And even then, if it's a small group, I won't. I just think it's rude. In this case, several of us on one end of the table, you know, started eating uh, because we thought everybody had been served. And there was one of the 10 of us she hadn't been served. And somebody said something like, oh, oh my gosh, Kim, did your meal not come out? And she said, no, no, it didn't. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I felt so bad. And I stopped eating immediately and said, oh, geez, you know, to myself. And she was like, no, go ahead, please. Mm -hmm. And kind of one of the managers got up and, you know, who was actually kind of, you know, paying for the meal and set up the meal. And they had just forgotten her and the, you know, and he grabbed one of oh, them and they just oh, and terrible. they brought the meal out you know within a few minutes but yeah mm -hmm. they had just it got lost in the shuffle but mm -hmm. I felt so bad but she did tell us to go ahead and everybody just immediately went ahead because it was clear that otherwise we would have been sitting there yeah. for right you know another somebody noticed and it was taken care of and yeah. so that's what yeah. I like to hear mm -hmm. right and it really helped that she was like immediately because we had all stopped, you know, she was like, please go ahead. And, um, you know, so that made us, made everybody be like, okay, you know, she, she just handled it beautifully. So mm -hmm. that's part of it too. But I agree if it's a small group, I think you really just have to have to wait unless the person insists. And in a home setting, we've always waited until everybody is served and seated at the table. Unless like you said, Marna, the, you know, the host or hostess is like, you know, everybody go ahead. I'll, I'll be there in a minute, you know, or, you, you know, a lot of times the host or hostess will come and just, you know, will say a quick prayer and, and then they'll continue doing their thing in the kitchen and everybody will go ahead. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than being halfway done with your meal and the host or hostess sits down and says, now, before we begin, would you mind if I <laughs> offered thanks? <laughs> And there you are, you know, your mouth stuffed full of roast beef and mashed potatoes. <laughs> Such bad you got, yeah. You've got oh, gravy yeah. coming off your chin, and you look up and you go, oops. You she know? hasn't picked up her fork so. yet. <laughs> yeah, I remember and when I was in my 20s, my roommate and I had 
two young men over for dinner, and we were getting the meal on the table, going back and forth from the table to the kitchen. And as the food came out, these young men served themselves and started eating, even though we we hadn't finished bringing the food and we hadn't sat down together or anything. I was shocked. That was just so rude. Point of clarification, Mike, if you're at like a large, like a wedding or something, so 200 people are there and you're at a at eight-person table, do you wait until everybody in the hall has been served? No, I would say no. Um, now, there are some sort of subtleties here, like if it's a buffet thing, so you would go and get your food and you'd come and sit down and you might wait until your table is, everybody's at your table is seated and then begin as a table. But no, you don't wait for you know the table in the far corner to get its to get you know either served or serve themselves. Plus, the waitstaff can't keep up. The waitstaff is trying to you know cycle through the meal. You know, uh, you know they're bringing salads to some people while other people are getting ready for their desserts. So yeah. And if it's not a buffet, usually you will begin eating when your table is. You know, when the plates are down on your table, whether it be, you know, the, the salad, you know, the main dish, um, you know, because at a typical wedding, when you look at the head table, they're served first. Mm-hmm. A lot of times right. they're eating their main meal. And if you're in the back, you may just have gotten your salads, if that. And you can't expect them to be, you know, sitting there waiting for everybody to be served. Or any yeah. table, really. So your own subgroup table. Take yeah. your yeah. cues from that. That's a really good play. Mike, was there something you wanted to say? I thought I interrupted you there. Um, there may have been, Marna, but I'm of a certain age now, and it has slipped my mind. I know that never happens to either of you. But, <laughs> it happened um... to me this morning. <laughs> but I have one final thing to add here. I always told my children when I was raising them, think of dinner as a conversation that just happens to have food between you. Yeah. That's really good. I was watching a YouTube video. I watched this woman called Justine. She's French. She talks about fashion trends, addressing French, and eating the French way. And and she said, Mm -hmm. the French think of dinner as a privileged social moment. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. so beautifully put. It's a privileged social moment. I love that. I'm a big fan of, you know, most of what the French do, and certainly the way they keep Except for how they fight wars, okay, right? Okay, thank, thank you, Kelly. Not so good. Um, <laughs> not so good. You had to bring so that good. up. That whole Vichy oh, thing, wow. I don't We're know. going that really deep this morning. I'm reading a book about that right now, Kelly. Okay, we can talk about that later. Maybe on another episode. No, but, you know, the idea just that meals are not for refueling. Meals are, are you know, you put it beautifully, Marna, so... I used to remind my children of that as they would wolf down food. You know, we're here to be together. And oh, by the way, we have a meal. That didn't really always go over so well. Yeah. That doesn't bother me as much as, you know, especially young people. They're so hungry and so busy. I think the big issue nowadays with meals, and I'm guilty of it, is, you know, not sitting down as a family Mm -hmm. at the table and making it a social event or an opportunity to talk about your day. Um, And the other thing that's really a big problem is the phones. I mean, people bring their phones to the table, and and that's at any event. Anything you'll see, like folks our age at an event with the phone, you know. Do the cell phone stack. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that I think is, uh, especially if you are a guest and you whip out your phone at a meal. Oh, my. What would Kathy well, do? as my mother would wife. say, that person ain't had no fetching up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, 
Hey, just real quick, I now remember it has come back to me what I was going to say earlier, but you know, and I know both of you who've been in this situation, but think about job interviews and in in a in a significant job interview with a job that is of some, you know, importance, often part of the evaluation on the part of whoever's doing the hiring is they take the candidate to to a meal and they kind of watch and they say hmm let's see how this person eats a meal that can be a that could be an interesting discriminator in the process so yeah absolutely not yeah and a little bit of, we've gotten away from that now with all you know mm-hmm. covid times yeah. you guys know i recently started mm-hmm. a new job and everything was remote my whole, the whole process was remote. I never met anybody wow. in person. I did everything. That's amazing. Yep. Everything was over Zoom. Many interviews, but all over Zoom. Um, I never met anybody until my first day. That's so, interesting. I've never, you know, I'm, it makes sense, Kelly, but I've never heard anybody going through it that way. You know, I had a, a number of interviews with a number of different companies and they all... Mm-hmm. handled mm-hmm. it that way nothing mm-hmm. was in person you know even just going out for meals I think we're just starting to do that like like we did last week with um you know with some of my colleagues yeah. well, I'm glad to see it coming oh, back it feels so good yeah yeah and I think yeah. uh Kelly to your point I think we're going to do a show on zoom etiquette oh, because uh, there's a lot of basics that you know just need to be reinforced on zoom etiquette yeah i mean jeffrey tubin <laughs> he missed he missed totally. the uh the lesson on that uh-huh. <laughs> and if we get into that we're just gonna have to like do a warning right. um you know like like they do for movies <laughs> and stuff it's gonna be an r-rated he show can be the first bad example but there's other things the other things you should avoid doing. Nothing as major as that, I don't think. But if you don't know what we're talking about, tune into the episode on the Zoom etiquette when we do it. All right, let's move on to the next one. There's a lot of confusion about if a party or wedding or a celebration, etc., is for adults only or is the entire family invited. Many people assume children are invited. If the gathering is for adults only, how do you convey that information in the invitation tactfully and clearly? And how can we avoid awkward moments over this? I remember I was having a party in the evening at a pretty nice venue. I didn't specifically say no children, and I was surprised at how many people called me up and say now said, are, are children invited to this? At first I said no, <laughs> and one of my friends said, well, in that case, I'm not coming because my daughter can't be left with a babysitter. And then four or five other people called and said, are children invited? And so finally I just relented and said, yeah, you know, bring the kids. But it's a thing. So you have to think about that if you're uh, hosting a celebration. So, Kelly, what can you tell our listeners about that? I probably would have said to that friend, okay, have a nice evening at home with your child. Uh, what do you no, mean you I, can't leave I your think, kid with I a think babysitter? She could have come and left the child with her husband. There were ways around that. Yeah, I mean, that that's silly. But anyways, um, I think first you look at the invitation. Look at the invitation itself. Um, one of our more recent wedding invites, I was very concerned, you know, like, oh my gosh, are the kids invited? Now, granted, my kids are not small. My youngest is 16. And I was like, well, wrapped up, checked with a couple of relatives. And then I finally opened the invitation. Hello, it's very clearly right there that each member of the family was invited. So, And you knew that because <laughs> so on the inner envelope, thing. it had each one of their names. Okay. Yes. So that's, yeah, it was very clear. That's the first. So that, I would say, look at the invitation. Yeah. You know, if, if it says Mr. and Mrs., 
blah blah or Ms. blah blah you know then that's who's invited and if it says Ms. blah blah you know usually it'll say plus one or plus a guest I mean or or and family invitation or and children right the invitation usually dictates but in addition to that a lot of folks or young people are using zola.com I had a friend who got married a couple of years ago who is our age in her 50s and she used zola.com i have a cousin that got married last year and what is zola.com it's a it's like a whole wedding site you can set up a whole website um with all the details about your wedding the weekend everything it's 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 really beautifully done um like I said, I think my cousin's 40 or in his late 30s, he used it. And then my my niece and nephew used it recently. But my cousin, who got married in October, had, you know, a question section. Um, and, you know, if you have any questions, contact us. And he also had under, you know, um, the event, like there are different tabs. Um, it had all the details. And then it's it said, we are wild about all your wonderful kids. But unfortunately, capacity restrictions will make Saturday's dinner, drinks, and dancing for adults. Ah. Please get in touch. Yeah, please get in touch if you have any questions. I like that. We can't, yeah, mm-hmm. we can't wait to party wow. with you. I thought that was, that was well great. Put. Very clear. And he had a couple of places, he and his wife had a, had a couple of places where if you have any questions, contact us. So, like, all about, com- first of all, I think they communicated mm-hmm. very clearly by their invitations through zola.com but in addition if you still didn't get it (laughs) they made it very clear if you have any questions reach out yeah so that is asking your guests to drill down a little bit to find that information so there's the first lesson look look at the invitation see who's invited and if it's still not clear to you go to the website if they have one in the question and answer section I, i think it's a little better if you don't make your guests work so hard like maybe put something on the invitation what do you think, Mike? I think if you're a, a couple with young children, though, you need to be, this needs to be top of mind that you're checking to see, hey, kids invited, not invited. Um, it's a little different if you bring, you know, an older child who can entertain themselves and isn't going to, isn't going to be underfoot. But if you're bringing small kids to something, you know, that it's got to be specifically noted that this is part of the plan. And some people have said you can bring the kids to the wedding, but not the reception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I found a website that has a couple of uh, really well-worded, I thought, ways to say adults only. Eventstationaryau.com, and I'll post the link on our show notes. There's 26 ways to say no children at your wedding. You can modify them for other occasions. Let me just give you three. Although we love your little ones, this is an adult-only affair. And I think it's it's good to put that somewhere really pretty obvious might even be on the invitation unfortunately we cannot accommodate children thank you for understanding yeah i wouldn't put it on the invitation no more why not that why not the reception card i just think that's too much you think that's tacky yeah i do i think it's pretty clear if you're by the invitation itself and i do think these websites are really common i mean i have not not that I'm invited to a bunch of weddings, but, but anything I've been invited to over the last three years, they all have used Zola.com. And, you know, it hasn't been hard. I'm not young, and it hasn't been hard to maneuver the website and find everything. So I, I think anyone could do it, especially couples with young children, because obviously they're going to be younger than us. Yeah. 
Well, I have learned something today. I had never heard of Zola.com before. So, wow. That's why I listen to this show, Religiously, Marna and Kelly. Yeah. I learned so much, <laughs> you know. There's another one called The Knot, I think. Okay. But I think, Kelly, you run the risk of people assuming that children are invited and they're not going to go to the trouble to research it on the website. That's why I'm an advocate of making it really clear. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. I think I think those people are just bringing their kids because they want to. They know, and they're just doing it anyways. Bad form. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's really it's bad re- form. It's really bad form. Yeah. So, you know. so the lesson from this is don't assume that children are invited. Do do what you have to do to find out. If you have any questions, you know, call the bridegroom, mother of the bride, mm-hmm. whatever, whoever mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, communication. And and you know, I think it's wonderful when you have a wedding. It's outside, and there's places for the kids to run. It's a family event. There's cornhole and stuff like that. And, yeah, kids are there, and it's a yeah, great time. those are some of my most memorable weddings, you know, where the whole family, you know, it is a family right. thing to begin with, this, this like getting married social. business. So. Well, that's some good information, guys. Look at the invitation, check out the website, look for answers. Don't make the mistake of assuming that children are invited because it may be an adults-only affair. All righty, the last, well, second to last question I have. Settle an existential debate for me. Which has more holes on the top? The salt shaker or the pepper shaker? I always thought salt shakers had more holes, but somebody told me that's not true. Do you guys know? I think it really depends on your blood pressure. Um, (laughs) So, you know, in the blood pressure conscious household, uh, the salt shaker will have fewer holes in it. I'm just sticking to that because I think this is a lose-lose proposition, Marna. Well, you're right. (laughs) It is. There's no answer, really. I found a website called the... Salt and Pepper Shaker Museum dot com. Oh, wow. Yes, that's pretty. There's that's pretty niche. A place. It's somebody it, has. Too it's much in time Gatlinburg, in Tennessee. Oh, By golly, next time I'm in Gatlinburg, I'm going. <laughs> and they say this debate has been raging for years with no definitive answer in sight. Wow. Okay. The answer is it. So depends. you were just teasing us with this question, yeah. then? Sure. It depends <laughs> on the shaker. All shakers are and, different. And context, as Mike would say. It's cultural. Yeah. Some In some parts of the world, salt is valuable. In some parts of the world, pepper is more valuable. You want to use it more sparingly. And then if you're using that fancy Himalayan rock salt, right. you know, you probably can't shake that out of the shaker anyhow. So Yeah, just go with the grinders and you, you can't lose. Love those grinders. <laughs> Last one here. What makes a soup a bisque instead of just a plain old soup? And I'll tell you a story. When my son was 12, he said, what's for dinner? And I said, I'm making crab cakes. And he said, you know, I don't like crab cakes. Can you make something else? And I said, well, like what? And he said, like crab bisque. He's 12, mind you. Wow. And I just looked looked at him (laughs) and I said, not for nothing, Stephen, but I was out of college before I knew what a bisque was. (laughs) Was he just messing with you or was he for real on this one? He was for real. He was a foodie from way oh, back, wow. still is. But these days, I see on menus and in recipes and magazines, I see like sweet potato bisque, peanut bisque, tomato bisque, mushroom bisque. The question I've had for years is what makes a bisque a bisque? Do you know, Mike? Yes. Uh, it's a smooth soup. So if you have chunks in your bisque, that's a problem. And it has a cream base. So it's going to be lighter in color than whatever it's made with. So a tomato bisque will be less red than a tomato soup, for example, because of the cream. 
So, um, so smooth and yeah. creamy. And we're, we're back, just by the way, folks, we're back to mid-17th century France on this one. <laughs> Um, so thank goodness we have a historian yeah, on the channel. Yeah, sometimes that's a bit of a liability, but um, anyhow, you guys seem to be managing pretty well. So, does it have to have seafood? No, no. I think it. I think it's if you meet those two requirements that it's smooth and that it has some portion of it as cream. Uh, I think you sort of uh, meet the mark. Now, some people will sort of like try to get away with milk to make it a little more uh, healthy. But uh, really, kind of cream. Cream's the non-negotiable ingredient. I know. The purists yeah. would never We should bring milk. Stephen on as a subject matter expert. <laughs> Stephen, I hope you're listening. Yeah. It's super low-cal, <laughs> Yeah, That's what I love about it. We like to say fat equals flavor in my house. Yeah. Fat. F-A-T. Flavor and taste. Oh, yeah. That, huh? Exactly. But if you're going to serve a bisque... Um, and it's got a lot of cream in it, make sure your salt shaker has lots of holes in it so that you can just have, you know, all sorts of wonderful things flowing into your body, salt and fat. <laughs> I think that salt will get redemption mm-hmm. later on. We'll find out it's not the yeah. culprit that many yeah. people... I personally love salt. I do too. Well, that covers all our topics for today. I just want to say that, you know, I've learned a lot today. You know, you guys, you guys, are, you guys are the best, you know. I mean, I look at these, these prompts and questions, Marna, and, um, you know, I think, hmm, that's pretty linear. And then it goes in many different directions. For yeah. sure it does. I love it's it. always interesting. It. To our listeners out there, if there's something else you want to hear or something else you want us to discuss and get nonlinear on, give us a shout. Inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. We'd love to hear from you. Definitely. Good or bad. Let's keep this conversation going. Leave us an email, inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com, or a voicemail at our website, ethicsandetiquette.com. Check out our Instagram, at ethicsandetiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'd appreciate it if you took time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep sharing Ethics and Etiquette with your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Please join us again. New episodes are posted the first and third Wednesdays of every month, for the most part. See you then.